There is lots we could have started the show with this week, but only one thing properly matters. Halle bloody Luya Blackpool fans, this is the totally oyster free Football League show. Oyston's out. Sean Harvey will be leaving too. It's all changed in the EFL and we too have had a little shake-up in the studio. Some things, though, hard to shake, including our chief statistician, Adrian Clark. Hello. Yeah, you can't get rid of me that easy. No, and even though I did my special deep low voice there, I struggled to say statistician. So, <laughs> good to have you here. Whilst Chief Scout Sam Parkin is out and about, we've a man who's almost had as many clubs, former Wimbledon, Sunderland and Portsmouth striker David Connolly. Hello. I thought you were going to list them all. I was waiting. <laughs> And fresh from his voyage to Scotland, our head pastry chef, Joe Crilly from William Hill. Hello. (laughs) How to isolate the totally Scottish football show listeners. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. How how was your sojourn in Scotland? It was great. I went to a place called Dingwall. Have you heard of Dingwall? Been there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Clarky was telling me that he's played there. It's 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 the family on Emmerdale. (laughs) The match that I went to as well was absolutely brilliant. Which was? Ross County versus Inverness. And the score was? 2-2. Okay, I'm done with that now. Thank you for coming in, though. Uh, Joe Criddy's here all week, or at least the whole of this show. We are going to start, though, with the one team in town. You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. And the club in question is Blackpool. Manager Terry McPhillips says he needs the off-field situation explaining properly to him with the club in a little bit of limbo. Lots of you probably feeling you're in limbo too when it comes to Blackpool at the moment. Tim Fielding is Honorary Vice President of the Blackpool Supporters Trust and hopefully can fill us in a bit more. Hiya Tim. Good morning. So there was a, a tweet that did the rounds and I think went viral socially. It's uh, the Twitter handle asking is Oyston out and the simple response was yes. So good times coming for Blackpool? Yes, they are. He's not quite, though, out just yet. And and, um, that's caused quite a lot of social media activity over the course of the last 48 hours with a home game coming up this uh, this Saturday. So the the long and short of it is the receivers are in, but he's he's sort of on his way out and you're, you're looking for new owners. That's right. The last Wednesday, the court appointed a receiver called Paul Cooper, um, who's a respected firm of insolvency practitioners, that there's some technicalities in relation to the issue of the order that that means that until that's actually physically been sealed by the court and issued, his appointment doesn't take effect. So I think it's well documented that Blackpool fans have been applying an ethical boycott against the current ownership going back for most of us four years now. Mm. Um, And there there is just some timing issues as to when actually Paul Cooper will take charge and take control of the purse strings. And have you had a chat with them? What have they said? Yeah, um, and myself and the chair, Christine, of uh, the chair of the Supporters Trust, uh, met with uh, Paul yesterday. But he has set out his proposals as regards how he intends to proceed. And the starting point for us is to know that he's physically in the building, that he's in control of the football club, and most importantly, in control of the finances. When we have all that confirmation, which we're hoping will come relatively quickly, then at that stage, uh, Blackpool Sporters Trust will give the green light from our perspective for fans to return. Uh, we've always been very keen, however, that this is very much a personal choice. And there's been some discussion on social media about the appropriateness of returning this Saturday. And I think it's a, a judgment call for each individual fan to make as regards whether they want to do that or not. I'm a huge advocate for fans on the board, Tim, and pushing that. As Honorary Vice President, 
of the trust. Will you be pushing that with any new owners too? And, and do you think they'll be receptive? It remains to be seen. The um, we, we as, as the trust put out the membership what they were looking for in relation to ongoing board involvement, and it is a bit of a marmite thing for some fans. There's even within our own fan base, there's there's no uh, real consensus on it. The majority of the members of BST voted that they would like to have some involvement. They would like to have some shares, if that was possible, and and some representation. Dialogue between owners and and, and the fans, in particularly in what is a u- fairly unique industry, isn't it? Football, for the most part, I think it's always got to be a good thing. You know, while you're talking and while you're understanding each other's positions, it should help you all move forward in the right direction. So, personally, I'm an advocate. I'm I'm hoping that in some shape or form, there'll be a very very good line of dialogue between any new owner and the trust and and, and other fans groups. Most certainly, a lot better than it has been under the previous regime because the trust has been a trust in exile from, its, from the day it's been formed and the owners have never been prepared to recognise it. Tim, all the best of luck. Hopefully see you back at a game in the not-too-distant future, which, which will show hopefully the progression at the club too. Well done on this week. Well done on Keep On Keeping On and we will hopefully talk to you again soon. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you very much. Tim Fielding, Honorary Vice President at the Trust. David, you've been involved at Wimbledon, clearly. We've seen the supporters get involved there and and how far they're looking to progress, if things are a bit sticky, on the pitch at least, at the moment. The frustration, we heard it from the manager, from the fans, not to be able to go and watch your own football club play. Yes, I mean, what I would say is that there's a, a lot of silver linings here. They're not in administration, they're not with administrators, they're in receivers. So there's going to be no points deduction. I think that's pretty clear. And actually, their run of fixtures going forward looks pretty winnable. So I think, actually, there's really good times ahead for Blackpool. Four winnable games, I can't see any points deduction whatsoever. And they've got a real chance, I think, of catching those teams above. Yeah, the, the frustration that maybe the manager has been feeling, he'd rather it was sorted out. As hopefully, fingers crossed, it looks likely. A couple of other bits away from the football, at least at the moment. Sean Harvey, EFL chief exec, is going to step down from his role at the end of the season joined back in October 2013 says I'm proud of what we've achieved since then in what have not always been easy circumstances yeah definitely not not easy circumstances he's done some good things uh, and I think that a lot of clubs a lot of fans of clubs have also had gripes with him over, over certain issues so yeah, it seems like football administrators uh, so there's a whole new wave of them going to come in this summer potentially uh, of course the FA are changing hands Premier League as well so um, but yeah in terms of what the new person needs to do I think they need to improve the regulations on ownership obviously it's a hot topic we've just been talking about yeah. it with Blackpool that has to be improved surely it's time for the EFL to, to bring in a cap on, on ticket prices for away fans following the Premier League suit I think it's really wrong, actually, that they haven't haven't gone down that route, and and yeah, you wonder what what, what it might mean for the Checker Trade Trophy moving forward. Uh, you know, I've not not been a fan of that format, so I wonder whether the new person might make changes there. Three out from the National League. Sorry, that just <laughs> popped out my mouth. Well, the irony is on this that he was on the board of Leeds for about ten years, and then he just hit them with a two hundred thousand pound fine <laughs> as a departing gift. There you go. So look, he won't have many fans at Ellen Road, that's did, for sure. Did you see one of the forum um, messages? The GoFundMe page. Oh, yeah. Did you see? <laughs> it's hilarious. Leeds, Leeds fans set up a GoFundMe page to pay off the two hundred thousand pound fine, which goes in conjunction with that for Spygate. Yes. That also was announced this week. But they also uh, the heading of him leaving was. 
something like some 48-year-old about to leave their position. Uh, we've talked a lot about his age, actually. We, we have, yeah. Well, yes, it makes me as a 44-year-old feel a bit better about myself, I've got to say. But uh, being a football administrator, so it's, it's, it's not easy, of course. Sorry, I, I interrupted you, David, oh, yeah. just to, to make that point. No, I didn't say his name. It could just be valid, the... yes. Um, but look, the, the TV deal, I think they, they negotiated. I don't, I don't think it was very good. That wound a lot um, up, didn't that, it? It did. Yeah. And um, I, to be honest, I don't think he'll be sorely missed, will he? Let's be frank. No, no. I think that the writing was on the wall once he went ahead with that TV deal. That was the that was the straw that broke the camel's back, really. And this part in the ways was was inevitable. I did think he sold the champ or the EFL short a little bit with that deal. He got a bit over eager, shall we say? Uh, on Leeds, though, I, I actually think they've got that punishment bless right. You Joe yeah, you're right, yeah, Joe. Bless you, Joe <laughs> was that an aggressive sneeze <laughs> yeah. on Leeds? That, that was really that was passive aggressive, wasn't <laughs> yeah. it? That was subtitles um... <laughs> provided by Joe's nose. <laughs> I, I, no, I just think that, that it actually that in my view got that right in terms of. Let's bring in a new rule. We can't do nothing to Leeds. We'll hit them with a with a fine, and it's quite a big fine, um, but but probably worthy considering it was, you know, se- several times that they did go and spy on opposition teams. So I do think he's got that one correct. You think that's big? I, mean, I think two hundred thousand pounds is, is is big, huge. Clearly, all of us in that that position. But I I thought it might be more. I I, th- I don't see how you can enforce this. How can you say from a vague regulation? Oh, do you know what? We'll just pluck a finger out two hundred thousand. I mean, he's just negotiating and making things up as he goes along. Look, he hasn't left the legacy. I think that Scudamore left the Premier League. Obviously, a massive TV deal. Why you let someone leave and just negotiate a TV deal and then just make it? Oh, pick a random figure, two hundred thousand pounds. I I don't get it. it. There's no law. You're not obviously allowed. It's not. It's not ethical, I guess, but really to try and find a way and the money and uh, I don't get it. I don't see how that, that actually they should accept that. They probably will. They'll pay it and move on. I'm just leaving a, a pregnant pause for any more sneezing. No, good. Uh, let's go to the football, shall we? Make this an every Saturday super with the Super Saturday Reloaded coupon from William Hill. Available in all William Hill branches across the UK. With more prizes on offer than ever before, your new Super Saturday competitions offer you the chance to win a share of £1 million and some additional extra goodies specific to your region. All you have to do is select the number of goals, corners and cards across three selected football matches. Super Saturday football and racing competitions are free to enter when you bet £10 at your local William Hill. T's and C's apply, you can find out more at williamhill.com and remember, when the fun stops, stop. Norwich then back top of the championship after comfortably beating struggling Bolton 4-0. Struggling Bolton, sorry. Timu Puki scoring twice. Leeds didn't play this weekend and Sheffield United moved into the automatics courtesy of another 4-0 win, this time over Reading. Freeman scoring after just 39 seconds, but that's only the fourth fastest goal in the league this season. The fourth fastest at the other end of the clock. Dominic Iolfa's point-saving goal for Sheffield Wednesday was the second latest at 99 minutes and 10 seconds. Elsewhere, Villa lost to West Brom. Borough beat 10-man Blackburn. Ipswich salvaged a point against Stoke. Preston and Nottingham Forest played out a goalless draw with the Lily Whites extending their unbeaten run to seven games. I did throw an apology in there just for you, Joe. Anything you want to say about Bolton? It was kind of a, a, a mixed bag of a week for Bolton Wanderers because during the, the week they beat Birmingham away uh, to complete a double over a team, bizarrely, this season. Bizarre uh, is the right word. Uh, uh, yeah, so they were, they were quite lucky, but the manager, Phil Parkinson, changed things up a little bit, played two up front, 
brought in Mark Beavers again to play alongside David Wheatley. They seem to have a very good partnership. However, they are both incredibly slow. And dealing with the, the two big lads for, for Birmingham, uh, Adams and Jokowicz, was was a lot more of an easy task for them than coming up against Norwich. And there's been a few of the, the Norwich goals posted on online saying, is this Brazil? Is this Barcelona? They were, they were absolutely fantastic. And Parkinson stuck with that two up front, uh, Beavers and Wheater at the back, but it clearly didn't work against Norwich. However, one positive is that uh, Bolton's goalkeeper made Team of the Week, uh, Championship Team of the Week, and he conceded four goals, but he was he was brilliant. Former Norwich goalkeeper Remy Matthews saved a penalty, which I, I believe was Norwich's sixth missed penalty of the, the season. Don't need them. Out of seven. Don't yeah. need them at the moment, do they? <laughs> um, but he saved a penalty and made a number of fantastic saves, and uh, it looks like he may well have wrestled the number one jersey off Ben Anik. I, I saw the Are You... Brazil in disguise. I also saw are you wolves in disguise because there were there were flashes. Well, actually, all the all four goals where you thought, oh, yeah, just incredible composure in possession, the movement, the, the quality of the finishing Team. from from all of the guys really, Steeperman, Brendia, and obviously the brace from Puki. I mean, Puki's goals are just ridiculously good. It's, he looks a Premier League player, doesn't he? he? He is excellent. Did you think that at the start of the season? And did you think that, David? Mm-hmm. I mean, when when he started scoring, oh look, Puki's got a goal. Did any of us sit here and oh, think? I didn't, but I don't no, know. I don't think so. I think he's I don't caught know everyone. The opportunity to say no, I won't take credit for that. I mean, um, I don't think. Anyone, and to be honest, he doesn't look like a Premier League forward. No. He looks similar body shape to Billy Sharp. In effect, you know, he's a bit barrel chested. He, he doesn't look particularly athletic, but he can get away from you. He showed real good composure to duck back inside, and he looked in one corner, bent it in the other. I mean, it's a terrific finish. And you know, he's, I guess, you know, it does help when you've got a really good back four. You know, they've got two terrific fullbacks. They don't concede many goals, and obviously, they just flood forward and playing superb football. I think the big result for them was beating Leeds. That really set them up, and it looks like no stopping them now. Yeah, they were stunning, weren't they, at the Leeds? Obviously, they did have that setback at Preston since we last recorded the show, which was, I think they were quite unlucky in that game. They, they peppered the goal and, and it didn't quite come off for them, but the reaction is brilliant. It's a competition for places as well. I've I, I've identified throughout the season that a defensive midfield position as a, as a possible weak spot. And, and with that, I guess I meant Alex Tetty. And a lot of Norwich fans were sort of defending him. Yeah. But but Tribal's in the team at the moment in that position. I think he's playing really, really well. So you've got competition in that in that zone. You've got Leitner to come back in, Vrancic as well. So, yeah, it's hard to see how they're going to fall off a cliff here, Norwich, unless, of course, they lose Puki to injury. That's the one thing you would say, that they don't have a plethora of strikers. Obviously, you've got Jordan Rhodes beyond that. Um, not a whole bunch of centre-forwards. What I think is interesting is that those strikers at the top now are so expensive for people to come and take them now in January, you know, that invariably they're going to keep hold of them. So, you know, so whether it's like Sharp or Shea Adams, for example, or Puki, you know, you're going to, you're talking 15, 20 million, Mope, and, you know, it's a lot of money for a Premier League team to fork out. Number one, let Krull take penalties from here on in. I'm a big fan of the keepers taking the penalties. Uh, number two, Joe Crilly, will anyone budge them? Norwich going to go up. It's quite interesting behind them in the in the betting. Obviously, Leeds uh, have a game in hand now. Norwich thirteen to eight favourites to win the league. Leeds just behind them at seven to four. Sheffield United four to one. It's all incredibly close between those three teams. Uh, but West Brom aren't out of the mix either, and they're eight to one to uh, to win the title. If we're talking about uh, going up 
into the Premier League. The promotion odds are Leeds two to five, Norwich four to nine, Sheffield United eight to thirteen, West Brom just a shade above evens at five to four. So again, all incredibly close. Sheffield United with their own four nil over Reading. Billy Sharp, who needs him, mate? Uh, Pookie scored six games in a row. He's overtaken Billy Sharp as top scorer. I'll get the um, odds on on him staying there as well with 23 for the season. But Sheffield United 4-0 over Reading. Kieran Freeman, did you two watch this one? Yes, I mean, a brilliant performance. And look, he gambled, didn't he, in terms of his team selection, which is uh, when you're a manager and you do that, and obviously you score four goals, keep a clean sheet, I mean, how good must he feel? He's on top. To me, I think they're going to go up. Did Automatically, re- I think Sheffield will go up. They've got, I mean, their front line is incredible. They build They've got as four. well, don't they? they? You think it's, it's kind of the back end of the season they'll do better? Yes, I think so. Look, they've they've steadily built from last season. Mm. Yeah, and he's added to that. And the players he had last season have improved. You know, no one took a chance on McGoldrick. He did. You know, he's been brilliant. Obviously, Billy Sharp scoring goals for fun. No sign of them abating. And then he's brought in Medine and, and Hogan as well. So there's plenty of options there, and their goal difference is massive. I think it's plus 24. They're right up there. I think they're going to actually claim that second spot. They're certainly in the form to do it. The momentum's with them. And what they do have that Leeds and Norwich don't is a quartet of strikers. We just talked about it there, didn't we? With Norwich, it's Pookie or Rhodes. With Leeds, it's it's Roof or Bamford, really. They've got four. And I think this was really astute ahead of these big games to come. He thought, Reading, at home to Reading, I think, that Hogan and Medine can do the job for me here. It will get their match fit for when he really needs them in those games when he has to freshen up the team uh, in the months to come. So so it is all looking great. Uh, the stand-ins came in and did a terrific job. Sharp and McGoldrick, uh, you mentioned the changes up. 33 goals between them a season, just short by one of Reading's tally for their whole team this season. So that's ridiculous as it sounds. When when you say that, that Sheffield United will go up automatically, what do you see then, apart from the, the strikers, that he's able to do tactically as a manager? Because a lot's been levelled at uh, whether he tactically has got the nows to take them oh, up he, and through. He definitely has. Look, I've seen these live probably three or four times now. So it's different when you watch them live. I saw them at Reading and it wasn't working. It wasn't very good. Reading done nothing at halftime. It was nil-nil. He made two changes and he went for it. And as the game went on, he went for it again. He was brave. He committed players forward. He allowed his two outside centre-halves to go into the opposite. In fact, the first goal, I think, came from one of them, Basham, crossing from the byline. So to me, you know, he might look old and a bit of a dinosaur like he's been in the lower leagues, but he is actually coaching and setting his team up. They play a back three better than for example in my opinion some clubs in the Premier League that play a back three I mean I think he's got it down brilliantly I really do Um, and you know they're really good players and in midfield they've got the likes of Norwood he's always been a bridesmaid never the bride you know with Brighton Fulham Fleck they've got real quality honestly I I think they're going to take that second spot and that's also an accusation that's been levelled at Darren Moore not once not twice but a few times this season too about tactically whether he's got enough to take his team up yeah that is a good point yes I think they're quite sophisticated in their style Sheffield United so so no I I echo those words as for West Brom look they've tried different things haven't they they've not been married to one system uh, under Darren Moore and it was fascinating wasn't it to hear him talk about fixing the forward line before the defence and that was really sensible because that was one thing that they hadn't really nailed in the Premier League they they weren't adventurous enough so 2-0 winner yeah very good performance, wasn't it? They've thoroughly deserved it against against Villa. So no, you can't write write off the baggies. I just still think that without the ball at the back, they're they're not quite good enough to to be in the top two. 
2-0 win for West Brom at Aston Villa. Any of the other results from the weekend? I was going to pick out the Yorkshire derby, actually. Rotherham against Sheffield Wednesday. Absolute blinding game, basically. It was full throttle the whole way. Rotherham was superb. I think that Michael Smith might have produced one of the best centre-forward performances of the season. Just so powerful, real handful. And, it was and, described on the BBC as the most brain-melting finishes to a football match. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's pretty good, actually. And, and I like the fact that at the end, the two managers were bemoaning the, the, the clock. And it just made me think, should we not bring in something new here? Like a, a, a countdown clock or something in the corner. When the referee says, right, or the fourth official says, it, says eight music? minutes. Music? <laughs> <laughs> That's it, they can play the music as you go. Just have that countdown clock in the corner just so that we know. And if there is a stoppage, boo, it stops. So we, we absolutely know 10, 9, when the game finishes. Because it actually winds me up when, when referees, and they all do it, David, don't they, where you can see them, they're looking at their watch and they're thinking... Oh, let's just see what happens here. I'm a bit curious. We'll, we'll, we'll wait for a stoppage. Paul Warren says, I just don't get it. I had a digital watch on. I asked him how long. He said eight minutes. I don't know where the extra time has come from. If there is extra time on the eight, then I don't know where from. There was no injury, no goal, no substitution. Steve Bruce, I'm not too sure what he's done afterwards with Forestieri. Then says about goes on to talk about that to pick on Forestieri because he's alone. His supporters could have sent off my whole team. The 17 of them were in the away End. So there's the time, but then there's the sending off as well with Forestieri, which was the the other big talking point from this one. Where do you both stand on that? Well, look, I think Paul Warren's got to be a little bit careful here because I was at the Den and they played Millwall. They were time wasting in the first half. Okay, they set up to take a point, you know, wipe their nose, get out of there. Every time I went out for a throw, they must have walked. They threw the ball the opposite way. I mean, the goalkeeper spotted the ball in one part of a six-yard box, then walked over to the other. So I think Paul Warren, he's got to take it as a bit of tit for tat here take it on the chin and the sending off uh, seems harsh doesn't it I, I don't like the rule I, th- I think that's another one that I'd, I'd I'd be inclined to look at changing as as I would with taking your shirt off it's, it's nonsense isn't it really but look, it's, rules are rules and Forrest Jerry just yeah, let, got a bit too carried away didn't he and uh, he's going to miss miss the next game as a, as a consequence so, but look, it was a cracking match and I think when you compare that Rotherham performance to the ineptitude of Reading's performance at Sheffield United I know they were away you've got to be looking at Rotherham and thinking that they, they're going to push the likes of Reading right the way in terms of this survival bid I'd back them actually over Reading Here's me trying to push an agenda on getting a countdown clock and actually to say that it's all right to celebrate with the fans, but you two have none of it. Joe, do you want to join me on that? Absolutely, yeah. Good, thanks. I'll double high-five you for that. Blackburn nil, Borough 1. I did want to talk about that because the Matt Stanger Appreciation Society has been in touch. He formerly of this parish. Will Blackburn ever win again? Do we have odds on that? We don't, but um, things aren't looking great, are they? Well, they've got Bolton, so they win that one, won't they? (laughs) (laughs) The the double high-fives are coming out again. (laughs) That must, because of Matt, that must be the only reason that we're mentioning that game because it was absolutely terrible. Good. I actually sat sat and watched it, and Blackburn were were awful. Middlesbrough could have been, they could have been miles ahead. They could have been three, four nil up by the time Blackburn had their first shot in the eighty seventh minute. So yeah, will Blackburn ever win again on the the basis of Sunday? Maybe not. And top scorer odds. Well, things have changed as they always do. A couple of weeks ago, we touched on these, and Tammy Abraham was the favourite, two to one. He's now four to one, third favourite, and it is a race now between Pookie and Sharp. Six to four for Timu Pookie, nine to four for Billy Sharp. I would like to do four hours on what's happening at Aston Villa and Tammy Abraham. Can we? 
No. So competition time. Fancy going to a, a derby in West London or the Steel City? Well, have I got news for you. We have two pairs of tickets to Brentford versus QPR on Saturday the 2nd of March and two pairs to Sheffield Wednesday against Sheffield United on Monday the 4th of March. You heard that right. What a great competition. If you'd like to be in with the chance of winning, then head to Instagram our Instagram, search for at Totally Football Show, give the post a like and you could be on your way to Griffin Park or Hillsborough. Competition closes on the 21st for the West London Derby and the 25th for the Steel City Derby. If that's all a little bit complicated, the T's and C's are on Audio Boom and all the details are on Instagram. So head to Instagram, find us at Totally Football Show for your chance to win that competition. That is the championship done. League One is after the next thing you hear. To League One then, and League One leaders Luton, that's 1-0 over perfect alliteration. What a shame. Continue their brilliant form to beat Fleetwood 2-1 and set a new club record for unbeaten games. Now 20 games unbeaten since Luton's last league loss in October and that was second place Barnsley who beat them then. This weekend Barnsley beat Wickham Wanderers 2-1 and moved five points clear of Portsmouth in third who managed to draw at Southend despite leading 3-0 and at the other end of the table Peterborough's 1-0 win over Oxford United puts the U's into the relegation zone. They're in all sorts of bother off the pitch too. Fleetwood 1, Luton 2, Portsmouth, uh, Sunderland, Charlton drawing Barnsley there the top of the league looks like it's Luton's to lose yeah it does really I think Luton uh, have been just brilliant haven't they Uh, and it's good that they've cleared things up with Mick Harford he's going to have the job isn't he to the end of the season there's just no point changing it is there they're just the bandwagon keeps rolling on and Monker's come into the team at the weekend he's had to be patient for his opportunity he's just bent one into the top corner different class really this is a team full of hungry players with, with a really good attitude and loads of talent and I think that they will go up and it's beginning to, to feel as if Barnsley will will join them they're, they're too Excellent football teams, and that's uh, and their their mindset is all about scoring goals rather than than trying to be too fancy or or, or setting up to defend. It's they're a great advertisement for the division. They they are one of those teams that actually he's gone in, he's seen them, he's seen what all the fans have seen watching them too. They're all perfectly fine. Why change it? They're all doing the right things, and he's just carried them on. Yeah, I think he's been a really wise appointment. I mean, I was at a game actually and he was there and I turned and we, we shook hands and it was a bone crushing shake, you know, which my hand <laughs> took a while to recover from. But, you know, apparently, look, he doesn't want the job. He's really happy with his scouting. Apparently, he just continued in the same vein as Nathan Jones. So the shape hasn't changed. Training hasn't changed. Now, he has tweaked things slightly. For example, he's brought in Alan McCormack a bit more often, used him a little bit more what old wiser head. And I think... Very sensibly, they went for a steady hand, someone to come in, not rock the boat. And apparently, you know, he was watching training a lot, so he knew what they were doing. He knew the players, he knew their personalities. So he's just continued in the same vein. I think it's a really astute appointment to get him over the line. And I think they will go up. Can I make another suggestion too? Had Nathan Jones remained at Luton, there would have been questions around him between whenever the first question started and the end of the season about whether he was going to move on and other jobs because there would have been other managers sacked and gone and he'd been linked to everything left, right and centre. It was almost, if it was going to happen, it was almost the right timing for it to happen too. Yeah, I guess so. In terms, right, you, don't, you don't have to buy that one. That's no. fine. I was just saying, if it stayed, there might be more questions. They might be more unsettled, and it it maybe may have unsettled them. Quite possibly. Him. No, you do make a good point there. Thanks. Even though we even though we were very slow to react to that excellent point. 
<laughs> Hopefully Joe Criddy's not slow to react. Um, so I want the odds if Nathan... No, I don't. You're all right. Unbeaten to the end of the season, Luton. What odds? 33 to 1. Think um, they'll do it? Well, the way that they're playing at the moment, <laughs> there's no reason to, to suggest why not. So He's distracted enough. Don't distract him some more so he hops on and sticks <laughs> some money I'm on just, that. That's, yeah, that's, that, that will be going up presently. So uh, yeah. get, get oh, you all your money on there. Getting yeah. on the app. Yeah, you're rotters. Go. You're rotters. <laughs> there were plenty of games within League One that we could have gone to, but South End 3, Portsmouth 3. To be 3 nil up, 3 nil up after half an hour to see it pull back to 3-3, particularly in the position they're in and where they want to be, Portsmouth? For Portsmouth, I think it's a disaster. For Southend, I think it's a performance of the season. I saw Southend at Charlton and they were excellent, actually. They went a man down at the Valley. They were 1-0 up and they were brilliant. Humphreys up top was outstanding. They were all, you know, to a man, fantastic. And obviously to get that result with so many players out through injury, illness, suspension... To then claw three goals back, I, mean, I think it's just brilliant. 14 players missing. 14 first teamers missing for Chris Powell. He doesn't get enough credit. And he does no. seemingly, I think, get some people throwing stuff at not actually throwing stuff <laughs> at him. But but there were wobbles around him. There were questions around him and, and his future. And he seems to continually do a brilliant job against it all. I rate him. I've always rated him as a, as a manager. He's a good person as well. Players like to play for Chris Powell. Yeah. It's the first time since 2000, uh, January 2000, they've come back from 3-0 down to to get any kind of points. And and I think it's fitting that, that Simon Cox was the star of the show with the hatch. I mean, the third goal was just sensational in terms of the reverse pass from Dieng and, and the finish. But, but Cox, for me, has been outstanding in a difficult season. I think he's, he's at his best as, as a partner to another front man. That's his game. But he's had to play up top on his own a lot this season. And he's also had to drop back into midfield, number 10 role, or even be used out, out wide at times, Simon Cox. so um, But he's got 15 goals. Wherever he's played, he's he's done a job for the team. And, yeah, I reckon he's got a really good chance of being their player of the year. Take a look at the League One table. And Kenny Jacket after this one says, we have to be tough enough to go again and realise the position that we're in. 3-3 at Southend, Portsmouth third, last five games, lost, lost, drawn, drawn, drawn. What's going on with Portsmouth? Well, look, they had the early kickoff. I mean, that was um, a sign, I guess, to put out to the, the likes of Luton and Barnsley saying, no, here we go, we're going to pick up three points here, which it looked like, and then put you under pressure. As it was, that capitulation, I think, gave Luton and Barnsley all the encouragement they needed. Now, where has it gone wrong? For me, Ben Thompson's a massive loss. Went back to Millwall. He was their kind of linchpin in midfield. He could do everything, get around the park. They loved him down at Fratton. So he's a, that's a big blow. Ronan Curtis, Jamal Lowe, not scoring, not assisting. Injuries to Jack Watmore, no clean sheets. I mean, to be honest, everything's going wrong at exactly the wrong time. Now, Kenny's an experienced manager. You know, he's been through all this before. However, I do worry that, that one, they're not scoring enough goals and, and two, they're not keeping him out. He's gone away from his normal formation to a sort of 4-2-3-1 to a 4-4-2. But to me, I, I'm really worried. Obviously, they had a five points lead at one point and now they're obviously so far behind. It's um, It looks difficult for them. You would think automatics gone, you would think, even though, as you say, just five points behind, purely because of their run of form. Although you look behind them in fourth, Sunderland, drawn one, drawn, 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 can't pick up for a win for Toffee. They're a further point back. Charlton behind them too. Those teams as well not picking up those wins to put the pressure on Barnes. No, Char- well, Charlton lost Carl and Grant, didn't they? And and that, that partnership, Taylor and Grant, was, was dynamite. And 
with one half of the duo gone, they, they don't look the same, do they, Charlton? So so they're fizzling a little bit. Doncaster have got good momentum. Yeah. Um, I, I would probably fancy them to to nail down a playoff spot. You just wonder whether the, the chase and pack are too far back now. Coventry obviously had a good good win at the weekend. You think, could could they be the one that, that, that comes from, from deep? I've looked at Coventry's fixtures, actually. They are, they're actually the team to watch between now and the end of the season because they will effectively help to decide what happens. They play six of the top seven away from home. So they go to all of the contenders, except for Charlton. And they're at home to all the teams at the bottom of the table, Bristol Rovers, Oxford, Shrewsbury and Bradford. So Coventry City, there's going to be a lot riding on almost every single game they play. 3-0 win over Walsall. Cov uh, into pit GB says maybe Coventry will get a mention for the first time in months. It's better actually just to fly under the radar and see what happens with Coventry coming up the table. Ninth at the moment, 46 points. Doncaster occupying for the moment that final playoff position on 53 points. So Coventry... There you go, closing in, breathing down their necks. Any other mentions? Oxford United, the owners of the Kassam, have started a winding up petition claiming £240,000 owed. Club saying funding has been agreed in principle for the due amount to be paid. How many more winding up orders could they face? We were talking about Blackpool at the start of the show. Blackpool, Oxford United, this weekend, oh, the irony. How do they turn things around? It's difficult for Oxford... Losing to Peterborough 1-0 at the weekend. No shame in that defeat, I don't think. I mean, Peterborough, they needed, they desperately needed a win under Ferguson to get his his regime going. And uh, I thought it was a really good goal, actually. If you haven't seen it, it was, it was a cleverly worked free kick. And he gets into space. And I'll tell you what, he's not favourite to score. The angle is, is really tight. Mm. And he lashes it in. Ivan Tony, considering he, he started, I don't know, practically the first three months of the season on the bench, I think his goal tally is really impressive. So um, I'd, I'd rather praise Peterborough than, than hammer Oxford for that one. But they've got enough hammering them at the moment. But I do just think, how can you get another winding up petition against you? For the fans who, who haven't been going, but think, what are we going to do? Is it a couple of games away from home for them, maybe just to ride that bit of pressure out? They've had a tough run of games as well, you've yeah. got to remember. Barnsley, obviously, Sunderland and Peterborough. So it's a club I, I went to. I spent a little bit of time there on loan towards the end of my career. And um, the sooner they can fill in that that end where the cars are and the ball goes over, the better. Even if it's just an Arsenal-type, you know, hoarding. <laughs> Who knows? But actually, it's got real problems. I mean, when I was there, the, you know, no revenue from match day goes to them. It all goes to Sam. And the, the issues just go on and on and on. You can't survive No, they that. can't. I mean, yeah. the, you know, there's just no revenue for them. So the sooner they can get out of whether it's out of that stadium move to another stadium I don't know what the solution is for Oxford but I know that it's been going on too long that is the end of League One you'll find League Two right around the river bend Into league then, and Stevenage came from two down to draw 2-2 with a late stoppage time equaliser against league leaders Lincoln City. Berry took advantage of Mansfield losing to bottom team Notts County, now up to second following a 1-0 win over Exeter. Paul Scholes' Oldham TM. Great article, by the way, on the BBC Sport website about how he's doing. They conceded a late equaliser against Crew. his second games as Lactic's boss drawing 1-1, and Sol Campbell's Macclesfield were held to a 1-1 draw against Colchester. Good result, that, albeit I'm sure that he wanted to win it, of course. Leaves the Silkman second from bottom, a point from safety. Is this the best looking bottom 
of the table anywhere in football at the moment. Macclesfield 1-1 with Colchester. Forest Green 3, Yeovil 0. Yeovil getting dragged into it. Notts County 28 from 32. Macclesfield 29 from 33. Yeovil 30 from 33. Morecambe 32 from 32. Port Vale 33 from 32. There's momentum down the bottom Uh, with those two bottoms. Not half, yeah. I think Macclesfield and Notts County are two of the more informed sides in the division, aren't they? And, And yeah, the likes of Port Vale... Have got to be worried. Yeovil particularly could easily get sucked in. If it, if it was the final day of the season, can you imagine that? If it's like this on the final day of the season, that that tight, that would be incredible. But Notts County, let's. I know we've spoken about them a lot this season, but I think that the supporters actually deserve a bit of credit. Turning out in force, aren't they? Mm. Twelve thousand. I know it was a derby against Mansfield, but twelve thousand. By all accounts, they they drove the team on big time. And Flickcroft afterwards, the Mansfield manager, was was basically accusing his players of being scared, of being too anxious, that the, the atmosphere, the whole occasion, got the better of his players, which isn't a great sign for them moving forward because they've got some big games to come. But, but Notts County's revamp continues apace, doesn't it? Lovely stuff. And I just look at their fixtures to come and the fact they've got a game in hand on Macclesfield. Do you think, David, that they'll they'll catch Macclesfield but both of them could catch each other and be out of the relegation place I think so I mean you've got to remember he's got seven points out of three really difficult games and I bumped into him actually at AFC Wimbledon Neil Lardley he had a night off so he was there watching and he said you just wouldn't believe how difficult a club it is to get right and he did say judge me in a couple of months you know and you've got to say he's probably called that right because I think the first game he had was against Mansfield and you know obviously now a couple of months later there's been a real change around and uh, I'm rooting for him it's definitely a tough role he's arguably jumped from you know the fire into the fire there but I think he's going to do it on that um, he did say that from that match that defeat to Mansfield in the opposite changing room that the Mansfield players were, were going bananas and they were cheering and they were, they were basically rubbing Notts County's noses in it yeah. and he said that that actually was a driving factor it's, it's the sort of thing I mean David will know this you, you don't forget those moments and I think you do have to use them um, the pain of listening to the other team celebrating at your expense use it in a positive way and they did and everything you've heard from him in the past he's the type of manager as you say that, that will use that <laughs> and will get the crowd behind galvanise them too as they seem to be at the moment but then it's kind of who loses out as a result and whether it is Yeovil. They've got Cambridge at home, Morecambe at home, Lincoln away, then Port Vale away to come. What a big game for them away with that Port Vale at the end of that run. Macclesfield have got Crawley away, Berry away, Milton Keynes at home, Exeter at home, Notts County, Newport at home. Which Newport side's going to come out after the FA Cup for them? Tranmere away, Port Vale at home and Cheltenham away Notts County's run <laughs> nothing to say against any of those teams they're playing but you think that they'll maybe pick up some of those points in that Joe has anything changed towards the reflections at the bottom I wonder what the odds are because Yeovil I think have lost six in a row I can't believe that they wouldn't be in the form they're going one of the favourites certainly to go down and that's what I think gives the likes of Notts County hope yeah, well, it, it's it's based purely on the the table at the moment, more or less. Macclesfield four to seven to go down, Notts County even money, so they're the two favourites. But yeah, Yeovil five to four. They would have thought around Christmas time, just after Christmas, New Year, they'd they'd have thought Notts County and Macclesfield are as good as as good as gone. But those those two have had a real upturn in form, and and Morecambe as well now two to one to go down. So they've been stuck right into it as well. Forestieri, who we were talking about earlier with the high five second bookings, sending off Dino Mamria in the Lincoln 2 Stevenage to uh, ran the length of the pitch yeah. to celebrate with Stevenage's equaliser. said he had no regrets. Uh, he was sent off. I'd That's football. 
Taking you see the goal. In. Did you see the quality of the goal as but well? You would celebrate like that. I, I know you don't want to wind the fans up. I know that. I get that, right? But you want to see that from your manager. You want to see that from your players, don't you? You do. I mean, um, Dino's obviously, he's been always the bridesmaid. We keep, I keep saying this, but obviously behind Graham Wesley for a long, long time, he's now got that chance. He's wanted to be a manager and certainly he's got an affinity with Stevenage. Um, so, yeah, you can see the emotion there and, hey, what a result. Mm. I mean, you know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong. It's great to see some sort of emotion, isn't it, rather than always being held in. He's, he's proper Stevenage man and I know his backroom staff are as well. I played with a few of them, Jason Goodliff among them. And I just wonder whether this, this loan signing of Elias Chair who scored the goals two absolute beauties weren't they that's a real coup this kid I mean he's not what you call a big name I guess Moroccan isn't he but he's, he had eight games for QPR this season and a lot of them in the championship mm. so suddenly he finds himself in league two he's probably f- feeling at 21 years of age I can be the the daddy here blimey if he keeps if he keeps that up and I think actually the likes of Stevenage and Accrington are benefiting from basically QPR's financial problems which yeah. means they've got to just let anyone go out on loan so Smith scored at the weekend for Accrington obviously Chair got a couple for Stevenage so yeah brilliant Jason Goodliffe one of those unsung assistants yeah. or coaches within it and he, yeah, yeah and from Wimbledon as well I guess you'll know him too he's, he's one of those that you think He'll go on and be a great manager or he might just enjoy just stepping behind, letting someone else take that, that flack up front. But another another good egg, as you were saying. Stevenage then three points, uh, four points off the playoffs. Carlisle have dropped down to seventh. Colchester are sixth in the playoffs at the moment. And Stevenage really putting a bit of a motor on. As for Lincoln, yeah, they're top of the league. The top of the league by two points. They've got a goal in hand. But one drawn, 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 drawn. They have drawn 11 this season. They're two points ahead of Berry with a game in hand. Berry have drawn nine and Mansfield have drawn 13. They love a draw in those top three. <laughs> it'll, it'll do for one of them. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that um, I think Berry are the probably the best team in the division at the moment, aren't they? Yeah. yeah Lincoln are definitely having a having a slight wobble. No, no question about that. They'll be all right. I'll tell you who, who needed their win at the weekend. MK Dons. Blimey, they were they were sinking like a stone, weren't they? And and it they went to a sold out Brunton Park. So there was a ticket deal on, which I think is great. And more, it just baffles me why more teams don't do these deals more often. But they can backfire. And I've been I've been at a few of these stadiums down the years where they've tickets for a quid or something. You sell it out, and then the team, the home team, goes and has a mare. They, they freeze on a big occasion. So that one might have played into MK's hands, and you, you wonder now. Might they kick on from that victory? Carlisle 2, Milton Keynes, Dons 3. Any other results from the weekend in League 2 you'd like to chat about? Abby's given me a no because she wants to move on. We talked about down the bottom and relegation. Lincoln done themselves some harm at the top, Joe? Yeah, if you remember, they were about one to four, one to five to win the league um, at New Year. They're now five to four to win the league. Berry two to one, Mansfield nine to two. What are they to go up? Because, I mean, you've got to remember in, in that division, they've got a bit of a gap still down to, down to fourth. So they've got three spaces, which I think, I think they'll do it. They haven't, they're definitely having a wobble. But you've got to remember the signings they made, the loan signings of really high quality. They've gone for it, no doubt. They've splashed the cash, which I yeah. think eventually we'll see them over the line. They've got a game yeah. in hand on uh, them and right down to eighth. So, as you say, they're, they're all right. And they've got those points as well, 62 points. Milton Keynes are in fourth. They've got 56 points. 
Yeah, they're one to eight to to get promoted. So, oh, so, so, <laughs> so, so it looks it looks like they're they're pretty much up, uh, despite the mini wobble. Berry one to six, Mansfield four to eleven. We all love a bit of silverware, though, don't we? Uh, if our cabinets are big enough, some midweekers, meaning everything we've just said could change coming up this weekend. Best of the bunch leads up against Bolton, Norwich, Bristol City, West Bromwich Albion up against Sheffield United. <laughs> Portsmouth Barnsley. I'm not laughing at Sheffield United. I was just thinking, who is it? Yeah, they're playing Sheffield United this weekend. That's right. Portsmouth Barnsley, Luton, Coventry. That's a Sunday one. Bury, Oldham, Mansfield, Forest Green Rovers, Yeovil, Cambridge United are my picks, but you can have any you like. I, I, I would pick out Yeovil, Cambridge on that theme of sort of teams that are looking to preserve their EFL status. Cambridge are one of the form teams actually in the division. I think across the last six games, they're right up there. Um, not they losing. To be. Oh yeah, of course they did, and and they drew with Tranmere. But looking at the highlights, they they battered Tranmere. So if they can go to Yeovil and win, I think that might just give them the belief that they're out of it. Yeovil desperately need the points there. One game I'm going to tonight, QPR West Brom, which I think will be a good one. You know, QPR have had a bit of an indifferent season, um, some real bad results of late. West Brom, I think, need certainly need the three points. And then obviously the next day you've got Derby Millwall. And I've got a feeling that, you know, maybe Frank Lampard's inexperience might count against him in terms of those teams just above him. Whoa, so, whoa, 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 whoa. You mean the, the next Chelsea manager, Frank Lampard? Yes, I it's do. It's already done, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you, on that... I'm, I'm, I've saved this stat for now. It's, it's perfect timing. Go on. Right. There was one of the tweets said, who do you see coming from deep? I'm going to go against David here. I'm going to say, because they, they weren't very good at Brighton. Lampard laid into the team. It might be perfect timing for them to have a little wake up. I've looked at the fixtures. I know fixtures don't matter completely, but Derby have got to play seven of the bottom 10 at home. Seven of the bottom 10 at home. These are, these are absolutely winnable games. If they win almost all of them, that'll be enough alone to get them into the playoffs. I think, I think, yeah, so they've got five top half teams, nine from the bottom half, seven at home. So there you go. Heard it here first. I'm madly trying to find, <laughs> uh, I think it was Jim, wasn't it? Barca Jim asking who was going to go on a run throughout the league. At, at, at the Totally Show for all your comments. Thank you everyone that's got in touch who I've now forgotten who said what, but thank you. It is appreciated and we do read it. Just don't take it in properly clearly uh, one other point before I let you go just on the QPR game that's happening in the next few hours Loftus Road my top five if you're going to go to a ground midweek top five games to go to would be at Loftus Road would it not absolutely I said top five Joe I remember getting charged 50 quid to go and watch Bolton play at oh well you're QPR. ridiculous <laughs> 50 quid pound yeah, just but- before um was that before the FFP fine or after? It, well, they need to first, recoup it. First game in the Premier League. Oh. But atmosphere-wise, I'm not saying about how much it cost oh, you to yeah, get Bolton in. Oh, Bolton won 4-0, so atmosphere was great. <laughs> Adrian? Uh, Leeds. Leeds, Leeds, Leeds. Yeah, Leeds, great. But you'd have Loftus Road in top five. I might. And, hey, and you can combine it with a shopping trip to Westfield. What more do you want? <laughs> really? Really? A good really? one as well. I'm not going there. I do. No. Anyway, uh, at the Totally Show, for your top five grounds you'd like to go to midweek or anything else besides, uh, thank you for everyone for getting in touch with your questions. I'm not here next week. I'm going to go and put my teeth back in. But it is throwback time. Ian the Mac Macintosh will be hosting alongside Adrian and Sam. In the meantime, AC, DC and JC, thank you from me, CB. It's goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football League show, a Muddy Knees Media production. 
for sales and advertising, email sales at muddyneesmedia.com and be sure to check out our other football shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audio Boom, and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. Supporting your team can be a beautiful thing, but then come the injuries, the goal droughts and the downright disastrous defeats. That's a little bit like life really, and here at the Totally Football Show, we believe we should all support each other the way we support our team, through the good days and the bad. And that's why we're continuing to work with Calm, the campaign against living miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. On average, 12 men take their own life every day in the UK, so that's your starting 11 and your manager every single day. And part of the problem is that many of us still feel uncomfortable talking about mental health and suicide, and this can often stop men from opening up and getting support when they need it the most. So if you're worried that someone close to you is having a tough time, check in with them and let them know that Calm is there. Every day from 5pm till midnight, Calm provide a free, confidential and anonymous helpline and web chat for any man who needs support. Visit thecalmzone.net to find out more about Calm.